Heaven high. Heaven high. Welcome to the Rondoings podcast. This is episode 164. Please mail us podcast at rumdoings.com or send us a tweet at rumdoings. Some people, I believe, still do this. I don't remember the last time we had a tweet. That's true. People are terrible. They really are. The topic today is, are low-cost airlines in Asia too much of a good thing? This is a genuine headline <laughs> in a copy of The Economist I picked up and opened at <laughs> random, so that's the topic. Um, so, I've been up to anything interesting this morning? Nope. Okay. Right. We went and found out the bad news that our baby isn't a dragon. Uh, we we won't say yet what version you've got um, until you've told the important people. Yes, uh, indeed. But you can tell us what happened, nevertheless. Well, there we went into the room, mm-hmm. and the lady put the weird jizzy stuff on Laura's tummy. Yes. And then she rubbed it all over with a Doppler device. Oh, they didn't have to go transvaginal this time. Whoa. Like that, it was. Yeah, but they didn't have to go transvaginal. Nor did they last time. Oh. They only went up the woo-ha the first time. So obviously the infant was in a good enough position to see whether it oh, it, was... it, it had what it needed or didn't. Baby was splendid. Mm. Flapping about, wiggling and jiggling, wriggling, poking. Mm. Trying to eat its foot at one point. Oh dear, never mind. Actual foot hitting mouth on there... screen. It was very exciting watching yeah. all the wriggling and the jiggling. But as you said, that baby only really exists in the hospital. You That's it true. You've left the, it there. All the bones are in all the right places. Are they? That's and, the, and it has skin all over it. Does it? That's very yes. clever. It's very exciting. Well, that's not always the case. For example, Judith's um, character whom she's invented called Crispy Anne has an association with another character she's invented called Bobby DeLongbeard. And Bobby DeLongbeard has no skin. He's just got hair. Wow, that's amazing. So it sounds like your baby is not afflicted with Bobby DeLongbeard uh, syndrome. Yeah. It's it's extraordinary the number of things that can go wrong. So the, the lady was measuring for, uh, oh, I've got to measure this, and I've got to check this. And it's like, oh my goodness, how has none of this gone wrong? It's extraordinary. Laura's done a very good job. How did you, uh, why did you allow that to happen? I thought you didn't want to know anything. Ever. What do you mean didn't want to know any Oh no no this is the this is where they just check for everything, don't they? They have to do this twenty week mm. scan. We just had it a week early, that's all. No, but I thought you didn't ever want to know whether there was something wrong or not. No no no, oh the Downs thing. Or anything. We didn't get the Downs test before. No, 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 it was just we didn't we, the reason we didn't get the Downs test at the early point was it was that that's the um, am I going to allow, uh, allow myself to have a, an abortion because I don't like this disability test. And we just thought, I don't really want to be a part of that genocide. But you didn't have to be a part of that. You could have just learnt and then gone and looked up some websites, I told you. I know, but anyway, it didn't seem worth it. Anyway, so the thing looks very healthy. Bones sticking inside all the right bits. We saw the heart beat in all four chambers and the blood moving between the chambers and the heart. It's very clever. It is clever, isn't what it? What they can do with sound these days. It is. Very good. Very good. So, Nick, Nick, I've got some news for you. Other than the trivial thing that you've got a baby that's still apparently alive. Blah, blah, blah. Listen yeah. to this. Okay. A pop singer mm-hmm. who has retired uh-huh. performed a song at a school concert. Do you oh. know who it was? Oh my goodness. Is it. Is it. Um. Um. Is it. Is it. Scar- Scarlatti. No. You're close though. Um. Is it. Rudyard Kipling? Almost. 
Uh, Julio Iglesias. Oh, if only. It's Phil Collins! You know, well, the problem with that was I didn't know he'd retired, so... <laughs> well, that's, it says on the news today that Phil Collins has made a stage appearance... For, has made, does say, this is the BBC, so what it says is Phil Collins has made his stage appearance since his retirement. Of course, the BBC doesn't bother with something <laughs> they, anymore. They don't sub their news at all anymore. No. By performing at his son's school music concert. The singer and drummer sang two songs with the middle school band, the Miami Count Country Day School, according to the Miami Herald. Oh, he's buggered off to America, has he? Looks like it. Uh, They're welcome to him. I don't think people on this podcast have known our antipathy to Phil Collins. We've never discussed it. Do you think it's never... Has it never? Surely we must have. I don't think we have. I don't think we have. I, I wonder if I can still find links to our artwork I can link in the, in the piece. Yes, you can. I just remember stuff. what it would be under. Never mind doing it now, but no, I'll find it No, I have to do it now. You. I'll find it for you using magic later on. Now, I know where it is. It's just I've just got to look at the right folder on FileZilla. Yeah. The thing about Phil Collins is that they were, it, it was a two-pronged attack. It was to do with his ethics and it was to do with the banality of his voice. I yes. always described his voice as being that of of a, a nasal uncle. And <laughs> I had a problem with it, therefore. And you, you had a problem with him because he was one of the first avaricious, I don't want to pay me taxes, the Tories need to give me a break kind of thing. And that was me, was it? That wasn't you? No, no, no I, I'm well for entrepreneurship, like it. <laughs> As are you now that you're a big businessman in your suit and tie. Am I? Yeah. With all your offshore assets. <laughs> I wish I had some offshore assets. So there's Nigel Farage, eh? Done very well for himself. He's lovely, He's lovely isn't he? Have you enjoyed all the stories that have come out about how he went around calling people nignogs and so on um, in the olden days? He's, so, he's, I think he's at least careful not to say that anymore aloud. Well, it's interesting because I had come to the conclusion that there was not a thing that, that he wasn't a racist at all, because it it, it just it, it just doesn't make sense that it just seems to be more of an opportunist to me at looking, seeing, oh, look, racism is the way through to power. I'll take that direction. So I was quite surprised to hear that stuff. And you heard this. I mean, we discussed before about how he had his headmaster had told him that had written a letter saying he should not become the head prefect or a prefect at all because of his fascist racist tendencies. Do, it's interesting, you, isn't it? Do you not remember that? See, that's the one thing I disagreed with your thesis. I think uh. I, I do agree with you that he's an opportunist. Yes, but I also think he had an innate racism, which he realised. He said, "Hold on, this is useful and this is fun." It was a, it was, it was a kind of a a whole ball of possibility that he put together and threw into the maelstrom. I don't think... Uh, he is an opportunist, but he also happens to be a petty racist, if you see what I mean. Right, that's and I just, I think his, uh, And I think it was his own innate sense of petty racism that made him realise the opportunity that he had. You see what I mean? Right, because yes. Okay. A, normal, a normal person doesn't quite understand how powerful the appropriately enunciated racism can be. You just... Because you don't appreciate it because you don't feel that power yourself. You just feel a revulsion. However, he was just in tune with the racist wavelength such that he knew exactly how it would resonate. You see what I mean? It right, was, yes. Okay. He, so he is an opportunist, but 
the reason he knew that the opportunity was there to quite that degree and could play it with that skill was because he had it in him. Do you think he's ever, ever in his whole posh life drunk a pint of frothy brown, nut brown ale without there being a cameraman there? A camera? No, of course not. Um, He doesn't do that. Uh, He loves having his fags as well. Oh, yes, he does. Mm. He's promised that uh, should uh, he be the kingmaker at the next election, uh, as well as the um, the in-out referendum, he will also demand that the smoking ban be repealed. It's, it's brilliant, isn't it? Because it's just what we need. Because it has caused such a problem for it people has. nationwide. It's been. It's everyone agrees that how much worse it is ever since they weren't able to smoke in where people are having their dinner. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's so weird to even remember that was a thing. And not only a thing, a thing ten years ago. It was perfectly normal to sit in a restaurant yes. and be eating and then have wafts of cigarette fl- plumes of smoke wafting across your dinner. But I remember t- I'm actively avoiding places because they were too smoky. Yes, absolutely. Oh, go gosh, to. yes. I remember walking into pubs, being barely able to see to the bar, turning around and walking back out again. Yeah. You accepted that if you went to the pub in the evening, you were going to come home stinking of cigarette smoke. That was just, that was normal. Can you imagine what was considered normal? It's very odd. And I think the smoking ban proves that um, pure libertarianism could never work because it needed Nanny to say stop it now. It needed Nanny to say stop it now. And that's always been the odd thing about using the phrase nanny state. We may have mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating. The phrase nanny state is very odd, especially for a Tory, because of course Tories like nanny and like nanny to be a bit stern. It's not so much, you know, you know, nanny state is the state that knows when your bedtime is and uh, treats you fairly and looks after you. What's wrong with a nanny? Um, and now they might say, well, of course, we've grown up and we don't need a nanny. But still, the semiotics of nanny are wrong for the term that they're trying to use. Because, of course, most Tories have only ever known nanny looking after them in the nursery. This is true. The other thing is, and the Tories won't agree with this angle of it, but oh my goodness, do we need authoritative government to stop awful people getting their way? Hmm. Well, uh, right now in this country, if they were given a vote, it would the capital punishment would return just for just for pedos and 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 rapists and welfare scroungers. Yes, exactly. That's all. That's all. <laughs> I I enjoyed uh, reading in Private Eye today about um, how you you watched that LBC interview with Farage, didn't you? That was very good. yes. Um, it, well, it was good. Uh, in so much as the guy was well informed, it was bad. In so much as it kind of was exactly what UKIP wanted to hear from him. Yeah. Oh, he is a racist! Thank goodness I can vote for him. Yeah. No, but what was interesting was that the previous um, interview, which had been done with Nick Ferrari, where Nick Ferrari had said how much he loved him. Yes. That was all over the LBC. Oh yes, homepage. I read that in Privatise as well. Uh, all over the LBC homepage, the uh, head of LBC was tweeting it all over the place. With this thing, which had far more views and made much more of an impression, not a tweet, not a squeak, nothing. He tweeted some pictures of his dogs instead. <laughs> exactly, and their webpage, you can't find it. You can't find no, of it. No, you can't find anything. It's almost as if um, he might be a bit of a Farage fan. It's a, bit, it's a bit strange. I wonder if that guy's going to keep his job for much longer at LBC. Probably not, but I suspect he'll get a job elsewhere with, with some ease. I would, I would have thought after that audition piece, he could be, he could be considered for a Newsnight replacement. Yes, I would have thought so. That would be. Remember, you remember Newsnight? When last did you watch it? Eighteen years ago. 
Uh, no, I saw it a couple of days ago, uh, and they were doing the UKIP is now the fourth party line. Despite Greens having more council <laughs> seats than UKIP, it was just... Mysteri- well, what happened at the BBC? They went absolutely insane. I think they actually rather liked Nigel Farage just as a media figure. If you look at the way that Farage deals with reporters and inter- interviewers and so on, usually, um, he actually gets on quite well with them and he has a bit of a laugh and he's cooperative and he gives good soundbite and so on. And I think they fell for it a bit. There was a thing doing the rounds on Twitter a few days ago. People going, oh, no, no, we've got to stop being angry with the BBC. Look, it was an Ofcom ruling. An Ofcom ruling told them they had to do... It's that, no, it, it, an Ofcom ruling said they had to give them fair coverage, which is one thing, but it mm. certainly did not say they should give them blanket coverage. No. no. What did you think of the results? Because there was a tension. Some people were desperate to understate them and say, oh, they haven't done as well as they think they've done. And if we mix that figure with that yes, figure, so... divide it by 12. <laughs> yes. right. But whatever people said, it, I still realize that a huge proportion of the people I look at at the street have proven to be very stupid and or racist. And that can never be a happy story, however you spin it, surely. No, I agree with you. And, and I think it demonstrates... That a much there's a large number of people in this nation are racist, selfish, and pernicious. It also demonstrates how Russell Brand's little um, theory has yes. failed completely. Yes, failed. indeed. Uh, are you enjoying his "Don't Vote Revolution"? Oh, you're quoting someone else there. You're so naughty. I'm not. Who, who am I quoting? Oh, I don't know. It was another Twitter it got many tweets. Well, are you enjoying it? It's a, yes. It's going very well so far. Let, let's have. Let's hope that. Fewer normal people vote in future, even than did this time, so that we can really concentrate the mad votes. That would be much better, in fairness, because um, because it's much better when UKIP does well, because they've got they've got some. They're not like the rest. They're not like all the others. They've got some. They think for themselves, and they don't just do what they're told. And and they're they're fighting for the ordinary man in the street, the People's Party. They are. They're just like most of concert. Most you know all the governments. And yeah. all of the other political parties, the the liberal Democrats and the the conservative liberals, yes, they're all just businessmen, and they're just out for their own sons. What uh, go to Eton's uh, uh, and the and the duck ponds, yeah, and the they all they're all privately educated from Unlike, rich families. Yeah, this Farage, he you know he just he just goes he uh, scrapes his, his way from nothing. He enjoys a pub with the real men in the pints and the, he does and enjoy, the bags. He does enjoy smoking. knocking back a cigarette of yeah. an evening. Yeah, you have a fag and a pint and a chat about all the way these He's foreigners He's just like are a regular guy. The way all these foreigners coming into our country, he knows about it. And well, that's they the thing. You've England got to... is not for the English anymore. It doesn't it's... even feel like my country. And I was sitting in the train and they weren't speaking. You've got to under what you've got to understand, and you, you, you're not being fair when you mock this. But there are a, there, there are a lot of, of immigrants coming into our country, mm. and they're coming in, and they're all on they're all on welfare. Yes, and taking our jobs. They are. Which job did they they're, take? They're okay. taking our jobs and and living in houses. What have I've paid for with my tax money, and they're on welfare and the mansions. And, they're sending all that money back to Pakistan and the mansions. Yes, in from them are sending they're sending their mansions back to Pakistan. I know. Apparently, we don't care about the Pakistan. We care about the um, 
the Bulgarians and the Romanians because this is Europeans we're particularly complaining about. Right? But that's Pakistan. I thought Pakistan was in Europe. The, the Brussels bureaucrats are bananas. Yeah, and they yeah. Well, who's they're, who? They're unelected. All those MEPs in Brussels making all those rules. Yes, don't vote for them because then that they're, they're not elected. Exactly. <laughs> all that money. So finally, someone standing up for ordinary people like us. <laughs> what depresses me about UKIP, I think, is just what we've been parodying there, and that. They haven't had to try hard at all. No. They've been the worst excess of uh, a desultory um, rump party, and yet they've done so well just by being there. It's incredible. And I wonder whether a... No, I, I don't think it would work. I think you actually have to have a party that explicitly targets the nastier impulses of somebody to do as well as they did. And that's why I disagreed with your, um, oh, if only Labour were socialist, blah, blah, blah. I remember Michael Foot tried it and it was the longest suicide letter, uh, political suicide letter of all time, as they called it or something like that. Yes, well, I don't know. I just wonder if, if, if they said, if they just tried to say, look, we we think the welfare system's good and it works and here's why and we're in favour of immigration and it works and here's why. Well, they'd certainly get my vote. Yeah, but remember, even when he was barely whispering that sort of thing, they called him Red Ed and began the assassination. This is true. Well, now it wasn't a very successful assassination, was it? Now, it's unfortunate that Ed Miliband is a an unintelligent man who speaks like a freak, because that means he may well not lo- win the next election. I like the, um, the, uh, the privatised front cover. The two pints of cheese, please, barman. It's just, the pose is so fantastically awkward. I wrote a letter to Private Eye, and they didn't print it. For the first time ever. No, they've, they've, I think they've, they've, I've had articles in the actual magazine and I've had, uh, that, that came from me. They've sourced stuff from me. Mm. Um, but uh, this, and I've had a, a letter printed, I think, in the letter section. But this letter I thought was good. I'm gonna, shall I read you my letter they didn't print? Please do. It says, Dear Sir, I would like to complain in the strongest possible terms about the current, previous or possibly forthcoming cover of Private Eye. As a long-time subscriber to your magazine, I have somehow not minded the contentious jokes that have previously appeared, as they haven't happened to touch on a particular bugbear of mine. But on this occasion, the matter is something about which I have very strong opinions either for or against, and as such, it is entirely unacceptable and an outrage. How dare your satirical journal compose a joke I personally don't like? You owe me my perspicacity in the village hall I burned down in my fury and apology. Consider my inexplicable subscription immediately cancelled. Yours, someone, every bloody issue. Yes. I would have thought they'd be happy to print that. Yeah, I was about to say, no, no, it's not good enough. But when you got to the end sentence, I allowed it. Because the problem is, there have been people who have pointed this sort of fury out in the past, but perhaps not to the full extent of the fact that it's done every issue. Exactly. It just, it just every, I just don't understand. How can you, I've been reading Private Eye since 1960, but this is, which bit, oh my goodness, (laughs) Private Eye is so Tepid and tame and toothless compared to what it was like in the 60s. Do you remember Ian Hislop? I do remember Ian Hislop, yes. Is he still alive? I caught a glimpse of uh, an episode of Have I Got News For You. Oh my goodness. Will you, li- will you explain to our American listener what Have I Got News For You is? Well, Have I Got News For You is a panel show, which again you don't have in America, um, 
in which a presenter, which is different every week because the BBC have forgotten to how to have testicles, yes, um, asks regular hosts Paul Merton and Ian Hislop and two guest comedians slash politicians slash someones to ask quest- topical questions about the week. Ooh. And they go, oh, they say. And then Paul Merton, as indeed that beautiful parody from Harry and Paul, Paul Merton says, is it a dolphin in a bathtub? Yes. Oh dear! They, in, they that uh, that panel game spoof they did was just as good as their Question Time spoof. It was. I... Oh, that awful! Who's that awful, dreadful, bold man, Andy something on? Um, I believe he's on Mock the Week. I don't watch Mock the Week. I'm no, nor do to I. I've never seen Mock the Week. I've never. I've started Mock the Week and never made it all the way through. I like Dara O'Brien. I wish he weren't on that. Yes, Dara O'Brien shouldn't be on that because he's an intelligent man who does things well. I, I generally never watched Mock the Week, so I don't even know what it is. Oh, he's a, it's is just it, another it, panel, topical panel show thing. But, oh no, it? here's the thing about Mock the Week. I've seen, I've not, I've never seen it all the way through, but I've seen bits of it. They have fake improv sections in it, and it's oh my goodness. awful. So they do Who's Line style bits where they, the four of them stand on a step and walk down to a microphone and, and deliver a half, heavily and overbearingly scripted line that they're pretending to improvise. Oh no! And it's just the worst, most turgid, awkward, cringing, juicing mess. Oh, oh, and it doesn't. Uh, Pantodennis sometimes yes, do this. Yes, uh, I believe Dennis is a regular <laughs> ghost <laughs> captain person. Oh, good. So it's it's part of the now show nexus. Well, this is the thing about Hugh Dennis is he he comes across as a genuinely nice and intelligent man, but if you put him in a room with Steve Punt, then that's all gone. <laughs> Oh dear. He's just oh oh Steve but have you heard that quiz show Steve Punt does on Radio 4? I can't bear to listen to Steve Punt because of his uh, blocked nose ad Because of his Steve Punt on Radio 4. Yes. So he does he does a quiz show which blow is Blow your bloody nose. What now? I'm just saying he should blow oh. his bloody nose like like the uh, Miller band as well. People who sound like they need to blow their nose are never and should never do well. Oh, look at that. EE have just live texted to say they're going to obey European law and stop charging so much for costs of, uh, calls abroad. Ah, oh, isn't that lovely of them? From the 1st of July, they're changing it when they're obliged to. They're not mentioning the obligation part here. Mm. Let's not forget who voted against that. Oh, yes, your friends. It's your good friends, UKIP, who are out there for the ordinary common working man. <laughs> yes. Who also voted against the ivory trade, cramping down on the ivory trade. And the, and apparently, um, when they were talking about a Cuban dissident and uh, who was in prison, and they were to tribute him, uh, Farage and friends were all giggling and talking and walking around yeah. at the time, not giving oh, Joe any respect. And what's that most important thing that uh, that you keep talk about? How much how much uh, the EU costs the British taxpayer every day? Mm. And a large part of that cost is because it's on a split site in two different locations. Mm. So there was a huge, important vote to see if they could centralise a single seat for the European Parliament, a saving of 200 billion euros a year. No one from UKIP bothered to turn up for the vote. Oh, that's good. Not a single UKIP MEP could be bothered. They didn't, abst- they didn't just didn't bother turning up that day. 
still, at least UKIP aren't actually actively wasting any money that they're allocated <laughs> or, or have given for expenses and so on. At least they're not taking a piss like so many of these other Brussels bureaucrats when I, do. When I went to write that article, I really didn't... I thought, I'm going to put... I want to talk about who Farage actually is. I, know, I knew that he was from a... You know, his stockbroker father <clears> and <throat> privately educated and, and you know, and worked for as a worked for hedge funds and all the people involved in the financial crisis he worked for you know all the companies he he worked for each had a scandals not necessarily anything to do with him but uh no so. not not all of them would do with him. i think two of them that i found out were directly to do with him but, but not all anyway. of them were he um he uh yeah so but i couldn't believe when just finding out he had the fifth worst voting record of any mep and mm. two of those above him were ukip yeah um it just and he he was on the fisheries commission and turned up for one of forty two meetings. Oh dear! And then on the final vote, when on the day that they actually did put all the stuff through, he sat there looking confused, abstained on most of the votes because he didn't know what they were <coughs> talking about, and just generally got in everyone's way. And at that point, then was forced to resign from the committee. Nice work if you can get it. Yes, and he's now making over a million pounds a year, apparently. Oh well, you know, maybe a, a, a sprinkling of racism and a dollop of opportunity gets you a million a year. It's good, true. good stuff. It's brilliant. Well, so we were slagging off. Uh, have I got an interview? And Ian Hislop, in particular. Yes, Hislop's let 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 us down. So I see exactly. Now I remember. Have I, I watched? Have I got an interview in the nineties? Back when it was presented by Angus Deaton and Paul Merton was still funny, uh, not just like a big tired looking old dog. I have a question. I have a question for you about that. Watching, yes. uh, have I got news for you in the nineties? For a small period of time, it was kind of the dumb thing for a certain stratum of intelligent people at school to watch it and to comment on it. Right? Was that ever at your school? No, I was. I didn't go to posh private school like you did. No, it wasn't everybody. But there were. It, it was the sort of thing you could watch. You know, in sixth form and um, comment upon, whereas I don't imagine anybody in their right minds would do that now. I don't know. I don't remember. I think we were just mostly... Well, no, we, my Red, friends obviously would, Red Dwarf and all that as well. Well, except we talk about comedy, and so I think Red Dwarf was a bit... By sixth form was a bit dead, well, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, by sixth form was finished. But, uh, no, no, gosh, have I got an interview started in 1990? Mm. 24 years ago. Gosh. It's on season 47 now. Oh, dear. Um, anyway, so yes, uh, in his, I saw a clip of an old one. I was flicking, flicking through the channels, and I think it was on Dave or something like mm-hmm. that. And Ian Hislop was there going, puh, puh, European Union, puh, and just slagging off. In this, I, I hadn't realised quite how vitriolically anti-Europe he was. He's, he's, he's quite conservative with a small C, but he always has been. It's interesting how, yes, I didn't realise he was quite such an anti-Europe. Uh, it's... Have, have you actually watched uh, Have I Got News For You recently, properly? Like I say, that was... No, no, I haven't. Not a recently. full latest one. God, no, I haven't. I mean, when Paul Merton turns up to the studio, what do you think he feels? I just think... Dead inside? Must be, because it's... It, I suppose it's relatively cheap to make. So oh, why, extremely why not, cheap to make. Why not continue doing it? What does he... What is because I remember it, I remember Paul Merton's uh, Channel Four program that he did in the early nineties. Yeah, and it was a particular type of comedy that I can understand lots of other people didn't like. I absolutely loved it, especially when I was a teenager. And it would genuinely be sketches would just have a man with a dolphin's torso, a dolphin from the torso up. I remember through that. the sketch and stuff, but it, I, I loved it. I thought it was brills. I didn't. That's because you were a snooty snob. Mm. 
404 episodes Merton's done, have I got news for you? No. Hislop's done 412, so I don't know how he's managed to do eight more, but there you go. <laughs> it's good for Hislop, though. I mean, it's made him richer than he would be just by being the editor of Private Eye. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure they make a fortune from it. Mm, and all their little books that they do as well, and the, uh, the annuals and, and so I forth. like Paul Merton on just a minute, and I'm not afraid to admit it. He's, I think it's the best thing he does. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, is is this year or next year for Nicholas Parsons? Well, we've been saying ne- next year for the last ten years. He's now ni- now ninety one, I think. Or two, yeah. So I don't think he is going to die. I think that I think he's gone past the point where he can. I think maybe he's a lobster. <laughs> that would make sense. Nicholas Parsons is a lobster. Did you know that lobsters don't get old? Not in the sense that we understand it. They're immortal. Yes, they're actually immortal. They just get bigger and hornier. Can you tell Jesus that that's a bit of a waste of the immortal, <laughs> you know, to, to give it to lobsters, but not the pinnacle of creation? Oh, look, uh, uh, Nicholas Parsons is only 91 this year. Oh, right. OK, fair enough. So. 1923 he was born. Nobody should be born in the 1920s. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ludicrous. Eight, 91 years old. And for about a decade, I would say from 75 to 85... He mm-hmm. turned into a doddery old man and it was quite awkward and unpleasant to listen to just a minute because of his strange confusion and, and lo- he's back. Yes. He's just come back. His brain's he's come back to life. <laughs> yes. Maybe he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a lobster. He's just uh, shed, shed his carapace. It, and, uh, do you remember how he went for that phase of not being able to remember how to end the show and it would get really awkward and go, and that's it from just a minute. Goodbye from just a minute. Goodbye from this week. <laughs> Yes, this weekend for all weeks and all other weeks and for all our people in the studio and in the show and on the radio and all over the world listening to us online and on the radio and on the world service and throughout the empire, I want to say goodbye from just a minute and that's everyone here and from <laughs> thanks to Ian Messeter for creating the show and for the bimbo next to me for blowing the whistle so elegantly and it's from me, Miss Parsons and, 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 and you could actually sometimes even hear the discomfort in the kind of yes, audience indeed there would be this cheering and clapping and then it, it would just kind of fade a little bit and pe- people start coughing a little murmuring he doesn't nails it now every time i hear it he says goodbye from just a minute <laughs> i don't know maybe they've just given him maybe maybe he's dead and they just use a kind of speech <laughs> a speech synthesizer now that sounds like nicholas parsons the rounds certainly aren't original in any sense so they're uh they're still um you know if you listen to an old episode from the 60s you can hear the same introductions for the round so they could easily just have a nick bot yes uh, doing that so um talk about nick bot are you are you enjoying are you enjoying your party's uh, tribulations at the moment oh my party i have voted lib dem all my life up until now yeah. yes enjoying... i didn't vote lib dem in the european elections nick are you enjoying uncle vince's tribulations <laughs> oh gosh I love how that guy decided just to take him down with him. It was so brutal. Yes. I'm going down. I may as well take that twat with me. Yes. Vince, Vince, the oil man cable. But boy, is your party in trouble if Vince Cable is your best hope. A guy everyone unanimously hates for the screwing over everyone on the post office. And of course... For our American listener, they privatised the post office for 55... They valued it at 55p... And then the shares were instantly worth eight billion pounds each. Have you noticed something else now about how we've all been manipulated? Um, 
If you remember the narrative for about uh, five years before the post office was being privatised, it was, this is a dying industry, it's falling yes. apart, it can't yes. make any money, it's got terrible losses every year, the losses are just getting worse, it, it's a black hole, it's a fading industry, it's a leech on government, and blah, blah, blah. The minute it gets privatised, oh, it's an amazingly profitable industry that people are creaming it up. But it can only remain profitable if they're allowed to have a monopoly, which is not how business works, I think. Mm. I'm not sure. I'm not, it's an amazing argument. They said we have to be allowed to have a monopoly or our business won't work. Well, that's fine. That's called... Uh, that means it's not a business. It means that it's uh, a utility and should be nationalised. Exactly. OK, nationalised it. Perfect timing. Yes. That's brilliant. Yeah. I want to condemn a man. To death? Oh, well, I haven't decided. To death, to hell, I'm not sure. You can decide for me. I'll decide, all right. Have you heard about the Van Dyke portrait that was found by the Antiques Roadshow? Yes, it was a Catholic priest, I believe, who found it, who wants to spend all the money fixing his bell end. Right, yes, indeed. And this is why we are condemning Father Jamie McLeod. Okay. From, uh, he found it in an antiques shop in Cheshire for £400 12 years ago. He liked the frame. Is that true? Yes, he said he so, only bought it because he liked the frame. And the painting was very obscured because it had a lot of grime and overpainting and so on. It's only since it's been restored that it's been revealed as what it truly is. Yeah, so it's a Van Dyke sketch. It's a kind of like a, I say sketch, it's an extraordinarily good painting. Um, of, of, of some <laughs> Brussels, some bureaucrats in Brussels. <laughs> it's the magistrates of Brussels. Some bureaucrats in Brussels. Bloody <laughs> Brussels bureaucrats. If Raj painting that painting, he would... Stick a knife into it. Slash it to death. So yeah. they estimate it's worth £500,000. And I thought, this is amazing. Some mm-hmm. vicar dude found it for a few hundred quid and it's worth half a million. And he's mm-hmm. like, and the, every time I see the stories, it's like he's saying it's a, been a blessing to own it, but they're going to da 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 da. And then it gets through and says, I will be sad to part with it, though the proceeds will be put to excellent use. I'm like, oh, brilliant. It's going to fund some excellent project that's helping children or looking after people, yeah. what, and this, like things like the church meant for the acquisition of new church bells for Whaley Hall Ecumenical Retreat House in Derbyshire. So this isn't even yes, a church. Yeah. This is a retreat for other vicars to go hang out when they're, you know, for being a vicar, very stressful, very poorly paid job. All the pensions are gone. It's an absolute nightmare. I don't know about the Church of England. I don't know about the Catholics. But it's not an easy job. It's not the hardest job. It's no. not manual labour. But I don't think a retreat needs bells no well just to keep them awake maybe let alone half a how dare he this guy should be defrocked i mean i'm not even i'm not joking i'm exaggerating i'm so bloody furious about this well i heard him on the radio this morning and he said oh and and the interviewer said how so how much money do you think you'll get for it at auction he says oh i hope i get a huge amount of money for it but it's not. I'm not being greedy by saying that, because I want it for a very good cause. Oh, it's just my blood is boiling about this. It's oh, it's just. What are you doing? When I first sorry, go on. What's that terrible noise you're making? Oh, Laura's hoovering, and I can't reach the door to shut the door. Just kill her. Hang on, Hang on, I'm going to go and murder my wife. Hang on. Okay. Die, die, woman, die. (laughs) 
Did you? Did there you, you go. S- she's dead now. Oh, good. Did you slice out the baby first? I s- no, no. I just smashed the two of them to death with a with a log. Okay. Uh, a bit of log that was holding my door open. That's poetic, beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, so, so you. So yeah. So we're gonna. What are we condemning him to? Um, I'm going to condemn him to be resurrected as a little choir boy. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think you need to carry on with that one. Yes, that's all I, I need to say. Everyone has filled in that joke punchline. Yes, that's all I need to say. I'm condemning him to finding out this painting was actually done by Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> It'd probably be worth something. <laughs> it's one of the one of the chalk paintings that were done when he played um, Mary Parr. Mary no, 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 it's not. It's, it's actually from season three of Diagnosis Murder. I heard that. Diagnosis murder. Oh, Diagnosis yes. murder was great. Let's just celebrate Diagnosis murder for a moment. He's still alive. That's very good. He's still alive, isn't he? How old is he? Let's find out how old Dick Van Dyke is. Have we talked about why Diagnosis murder was amazing before? No, I've genuinely not. 1925. He, will you turn that off? Yes. Nicholas Parsons is two years older than Dick Van Dyke. He's only 89. He's a weird, yeah. me, wee whippersnapper. Indeed. Um. <clears throat> Diagnosis Murder was a, for our British listener, mm-hmm. was uh, a murder mystery afternoon, no, com- com- comfortable afternoon murder mystery show. Mm-hmm. I always love the, the, I know it's obvious to point it out, but the murder is a mid-afternoon show. Rape, that's for night time. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's like, a, I'd love to see a, a daily crime procedural where they solve rapes yeah. and they have hilarious japes along the way. Well, that shows you that um, people consider murder a more acceptable crime than rape. Absolutely, they certainly Well, as you did, you said you prefer to be murdered than raped, I remember. I would? Yes, you you said you prefer to be smashed over the head with a metal crowbar than raped. I would. Yeah. Anyway, so, Diagnosis Murder, Dick Van Dyke played a hospital doctor Mm -hmm. um, who was solved crimes along with uh, his his son... Mm Mm-hmm. Who was a, 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 a policeman officer, mm-hmm. played by his real life son Barry Van Dyke? Oh, I see. That, that works quite well. So that it? started off brilliant. There was one episode which had four generations of the Van Dyke family playing characters in it. <laughs> is is Dick Van Dyke uh, known to be and have been a good gentleman, or does he have skeletons in his closet? I don't know. I can't imagine. He seems to be very well loved, and still is. I've but this is where this is stories. where diagnosis murder gets even better. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, every episode had after season? I think season one they played it straight, mm-hmm. and then they just got they just decided to have fun, mm-hmm. and uh, they so every episode they would hide gags in it oh really um and so like they would name all the characters <clears throat> after all the people all the characters who appeared in that particular episode would be named after characters from a tv show they enjoyed like an obscure british show that no one in america had ever heard of one episode they were all named after <laughs> um they had one episode where uh, a tv show that dick van dyke really enjoyed in the 70s that got cancelled without ever resolving they reunited the cast and resolved their storyline from their tv show Oh, really? That's there was nice. an episode in which uh, Matlock, the lawyer Matlock, turned yes. up. And all the cast members, as they saw him, and, oh my goodness, you're that famous lawyer from wherever you're from. I remember when you had the case and then describe an episode of Matlock to him. Hmm. They would just do this stuff. They just It became this fourth wall breaking, weird TV world. 
it's interesting how some of these programs just do that. I mean, Moonlighting was, of course, a yes. very famous example of this and that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if it's more or less common these days. I think it's actually less common. I think people are not quite as willing to play those games because they don't feel that they've got the confidence to do so. There is well. one uh, show that does, mm-hmm. and that show is Castle. Never heard of it. Oh, how dare you. Castle's great. I love, Laura and I love Castle. It's Nathan Fillion's show, mm-hmm. as in Captain Mal for Firefly. Mm-hmm. And he is a writer what helps a police a group of police peoples fight solve murders. You've probably told me and everybody about this yeah, before, but I can't remember. Cause and they that. have had very, very many references to Firefly in that show. The best being, in season two, it's Halloween, and he comes out of his... Uh, study wearing his uh, outfit from Firefly and his daughter looks at him and says what are you doing and he says I'm trying on my Halloween costume he says didn't you wear that five years ago Hmm. and he says but I like it I'm a space cowboy and she says dad there aren't any cows in space (laughs) and then they play a sting of Firefly music that makes me really happy every time I see it you know what would make you happier what's that if they brought back Firefly and had more episodes that would make me happier why don't they just do that? Because everyone is an idiot. Surely there must be some sort of Kickstarter that's going to make it happen. <laughs> it would be interesting, although Serenity was so bloody terrible. I would be, you know, I don't trust Joss Whedon to write his own show anymore. I don't trust Whedon to do anything. No, nor do I. I think he performed very badly on the latest film that I saw of his. Oh, hang on, which which is that? Because he's actually cinema is where he's doing okay, apart from Avengers, the boring Avengers movie. Yeah, the boring Avengers. Oh, movie. that was uh, it. I actually almost fell asleep in it. I imagine. I don't know. If, I don't know for sure, but I do wonder whether he was just unable to move under the pile of Disney hmm. when making that film. Especially bearing in mind he had to make a film that was going linked together the previous five movies and fed into the previous the following five movies, and indeed spawned the TV, the TV show, which is beyond. All comprehension terrible. Yeah. Shall we um, go on a but, boat? But. Shall we? But. Shall we go on a boat? No, no, listen, this is important. Yeah, but just tell this me. This is important. Listen, I boat. won't go on the boat. I won't allow you on a boat unless you listen to this. All right. He did last year, he made Much Ado About Nothing, which he filmed in his own house in a couple of weeks with his. Oh, indeed, I friends. heard about that. His little. And it's his very, sword, very good. His little palate cleanser. And it, yes, indeed. And it's genuinely f- fantastic and well worth watching. A really lovely present. It's all in original language. Even though it's American Shakespeare. Actors. Sorry? Even though it's Shakespeare. Even though it's Shakespeare. And it's very, very good. And he also wrote uh, Cabin in the Woods, which is one of the best horror movies ever. I've not seen it yet, so don't it's spoil it. Ama- it's absolutely amazing. Absolutely adore Cabin in the Woods. Direct- I forget the director's name, but he was one of the main guys on Angel. And the two of them got together and made a, a, a horror film that explains every other horror film. And it's just brilliant. Amazeballs. My only wish is that they could have had the licenses. You, if you, when you watch it, you'll understand this. If they could have had Don't the, spoil things. I won't spoil anything. Um, but the, I wish they could have got the rights to other horror movies for a certain sequence. I wish they could have spent a lot more money getting mm. access to particular actors or, or stuff. It could have made it even the punchlines even better. But it is absolutely amazing. Definitely amazeballs. It is amaze testicles. Amesticles. How's, how's Laura before you she's, killed her? She's she's in lots of pain today. Oh, really? Well, after you smashed her with that log, I imagine. Well, I'll get up until that point. She was having stabby pains in the side, but I believe I've cured them. Oh, right. Well, yeah, by, by killing her, that, that exactly. is quite it's a big, trick. big cure for pain. Did, Plus, did I'll she... have more room in my tiny cabin on the boat. Yeah. Did she ask why did, did, did she ask why she was having those pains from the doctor? No, because she's too annoying to do things like that. Oh, okay. 
So he's just going to. Oh, she, assuming that she resurrects, mm-hmm. um, like the um, like the priest, is she going to be just very annoying on this boat trip that we're going on? I imagine so. Yes, but then she's going to be whinging and whining the whole time. I would. I will strongly. Uh, yes, she is. But I will contend and sta- maintain the state at this point that not nearly as whingy annoying as you'll be. Okay, so so that's fine. Right, right. so you need to send me the file of this so I can get uploaded straight away, and then uh, tomorrow, cruise of disappointment. Hashtag cruise of disappointment. Hashtag cruise of disappointment. Follow us and see if we've got anything to say about it. Indeed. So the chances are we won't find any Wi-Fi to upload anything, but we're because we've gone for a couple of weeks. But when we get back. We will have recorded lots of episodes of I'm Doing So. See you again. Hooray! Except we won't be recording it on our lovely balcony because we don't have one. We're in a why haven't we been upgraded? I don't know. Or just why? If everybody on this podcast gave us a lot. Uh, no, oh. not everybody. One person had given us that million. We could have had the executive suite with a huge balcony. We could have done if, lovely recording. If everyone who listened to this podcast gave us 50p, we could be in gorgeous suites. Yes. As, Selfish, as, as, stinking gits. As we only deserve. I, I I know! We do deserve that, and none of these gorful, ghastly, bum-slipes listening... Do you know who I blame? The idiot twat-head listeners? The immigrants. Ah, oh, bloody immigrants coming in our country and listening to our podcast without giving me a million pounds. <sighs> right, see you tomorrow. I hate the stupid listeners. Bye. Bye. <laughs>